Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Mandy and the F-Bomb. Okay, welcome back to Mandy and the F-Bomb. This time we've got Caribbean Vice. She is a foster mama here in the community, and I am so glad to have her on. So, Caribbean, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. So, I was going to get into kind of how we met, and I honestly, I think it was just foster care stuff. We just kept bumping into each other. I think mm-hmm. it was another foster mom. Oh, I know what it was. It was at Home Depot. Yes. <laughs> it was at Home Depot. I was there with a friend. Mm-hmm. And I had seen you on my Facebook page and I think requested to be your friend because I was yes. like, oh, another foster mom. <laughs> and you had no idea who I was. So <laughs> you like declined my request, which is completely understandable, right? Right. And then we're at Home Depot and my, my friend was like, oh my gosh, there's Caribbean. Let's go say hi. And I was like, <gasps> that's the chick that declined my request. It's so awkward, that's but funny. it totally wasn't. And yeah. you were great. And yeah. then we just kept running into each other. Yeah, you were you were hilarious because <laughs> I had completely forgotten about deleting that friend request um, and not just not knowing you. And so when you came up, we said, you were like, hey, I'm the girl that, and I was, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know, you know, but we had that one mutual friend. And then I think we met again at another foster care event. Yeah. Um, and I had shared something about my heart about bio you know how important it is for bio reunification and like how I was wanting to advocate for that and it was so funny because you like looked right at me and you're like we are gonna be friends (laughs) (laughs) so that was and I was like okay you know not creepy at all no not at all (laughs) I loved it it was awesome well good good yeah that was the um community-based care thing yes I think it was yeah I couldn't remember yeah yeah that's exactly what it was Oh, man, that was a while ago. And I actually have something to send you on that because they they emailed me. And yeah. anyway, I'll send it to you. Sweet. Um, but that's kind of how we got to know each other. Just me being a weirdo and her being <laughs> no. super gracious. No, no, <laughs> so, not at all. Um, what's, what's interesting, though, is that we've known each other, um, bumping into each other and being Facebook friends and kind of seeing each other in um, foster situations. But... Yeah. We've never like sat down and have had a conversation. Yeah. Just to, so thanks for coming and Today's hanging the out day. with me. <laughs> <laughs> we're um, going to do it. <laughs> we're going to do it. So here's the thing is I don't really know a ton about your foster story. Okay. And 
I would love to know a little bit more about that. So so tell me all about it. Okay, so our foster story, um, I'll give you a little intro into our family so that I'm when I'm talking about these people, you know who I'm talking about. Um, I have been married to my husband, Damus, um, for 18 plus years, um, counting a few months in there. And um, foster care was actually something that was on his heart. Uh, not mine. It was never on my radar. Um, and that kind of stemmed from things I had in my past with my ability to mother and things like that. Just very doubtful of my abilities. Um, when he presented the idea to me, we had four children of our own already and they were really little. Um, and so I immediately was like, no, (laughs) there's no way I want to take on more right now. Um, but he said he just kept praying for me and just praying that our hearts would kind of get in rhythm and in sync. And so he did. Um, I would have been like the one that was just like bugging him about it verbally. But he just did the the silent thing and he was just, you know, steadfast and praying for me. And so eventually it just, you know, kind of popped into my head and my heart. And I was like, yeah, I know, just mysteriously like that. And I... <laughs> what a coincidence. I know, it, it is. <laughs> and so I uh, I approached him about it. And I was like, okay, so let's say we did do this. What does it look like? And do you... And so he had like all these paperwork and forms. <laughs> I was like, okay, clearly <laughs> you were like ready for yeah. me to say this. He's like, I've been waiting. For this day. <laughs> I have been preparing for this. Yeah. So, um, but it was, like I said, it was never anything that was on my heart. I know ne- I didn't approach him about it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, like I said, I had like a lot of hurts and doubts in myself and my ability and like how to be a mother. Um, and cool side story. My, my mother was actually a foster child, um, from the time she was 13 to the time she graduated high school. Um, and so that never really even occurred to me, but I like to think that it was this little seed that was planted in our family. And so, um, I immediately kind of, when he was talking about it, thought about my mom and how she had a foster family. I'm actually named after one of her foster sisters. My middle name is Amber. So I'm named after her and, uh, just how cool it was to hear my mom's story, which I really didn't even get into until after we started fostering and like asked my mom, Hey, tell me like, how'd you become a foster child? Like what happened? And cause it was something I'd never even asked. And my mom never even told me until I became a foster parent. I'm sure like a, a story, I feel like foster care is the club that nobody wants to get into. Yeah. And the entrance entrance fee is always trauma. Yes. So I can yeah. imagine just as a mom and I've had some trauma stuff in my past, like where's the line between like wanting your kids to know kind of history and um, the story of their family, but also wanting to shield them from your trauma and making sure that they don't have to carry that burden. Oh, yeah. Um, So I can't imagine how your mom would even have brought that up. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think it's really cool that she got to give you some insight and you've got such a unique perspective now Yeah, because of your mom's experience. Definitely. Well, there were so many things once she told us that, me and my sister, there were so many things that like clicked and made sense. Um, Because I think as a child, you can sort of judge your parents on the decisions that they make and think, well, I'm never going to act that way or I'll never be that way. But until you know their full story it's hard to to see them in any other light. So when I was dealing with 
foster care and children that were currently going through trauma, it kind of brought me back to like, this is what my mom went through. And this is why she might have XYZ today as an adult, you know? And so Gosh, it was I bet it so impactful. So much, like compassion. Oh yeah. For oh, your mom yeah. as a person. Absolutely. Not just, not just your mom. Well, and it also gave new perspective on the children that were currently in our home and how careful and, and diligent we needed to be about helping them work through their trauma and not just like, you know, brush over it or anything like that. So yes, mm-hmm. just totally new perspective, new compassion for my mom. Well, yeah. and that's a good point is that, so kiddos who are in care, um, I think that's something that maybe needs to be said for anyone who doesn't um, have direct like interaction with kids or families that are involved in foster care. Yeah. A lot of times I feel like there's maybe not even an intentional um, thought about it, but maybe a knee-jerk thought that kids in foster care must have bad behaviors or right. they, and some do for sure. Yeah. Um, but nobody did anything to be put in foster care. Right. Like this is um, a step that authorities take yeah. whenever parents um, or just families who may be caring for children mm-hmm. are not creating a, a safe environment for them to thrive. Right. And sometimes authorities need to step in. Yes. Um, but the children haven't done anything no. to be put in foster care. But here's the thing, and we know this because of our own stuff. Whenever you go through hard things, Sometimes you have hard behaviors yeah. and even in a mild version as a grown-up, like whenever I'm stressed out about something, I know that I need to watch my mouth and my tone Oh yeah, because I don't want to be taking it out on someone else. Absolutely. You know, kids don't have that. No. So that's something I'm glad you kind of touched on that a little bit is that sometimes kids in care have bad behaviors, but yeah, not always. Yeah, absolutely. And, and kind of we can come back to that like on how and like teaching them to cope and Mm -hmm. you know just walk through those things because it does not always come natural to them so just because of the things they've already lived out I would say it doesn't always come natural to us either to teach those things yes absolutely that's such a great point it doesn't because we're human too and we just sometimes react instead of Mm -hmm. respond you know and so it's teaching us and them or maybe like fail to see them as separate from the kiddos that we have in our family. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that have grown up with like our behavior that, and exactly. know it no to be normal. No expectations yeah. and no stuff like that. Well, sometimes kiddos, I mean, it just seems so obvious. Like, of yeah. course, they had different rules and different expectations. But yeah. they're also dealing with new expectations and a whole lot of trauma, too. Oh, yeah. So Totally new culture. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, sorry. Keep, yeah. Keep going so, about so foster care. My husband kind of just really prayed for me, encouraged me. We um, we dove into it. We got hooked up with a organization that's pretty uh, child care licensing organization here in Texas. Um, we've actually been with that same licensing agency the entire time. Um, and we started this journey in 2012. Um, our kids at the time <laughs> were um, two. My youngest was two. I had a four-year-old. And then I had a six and a seven-year-old. And my husband was like, let's get more children. And I was like, you're crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because you are. I'm fixing the baby. <laughs> I know. I was like, um, okay. And then the ages was the hardest thing for me to to um, 
try to figure out. But at the time when we started, we actually started homeschooling at the same time as we started fostering. Again, I am notorious for like taking on way too much. Look back and go, what was I thinking? How did we survive? Right. Yes. And then I I always like, you were so brave because I would never do that now (laughs) because I'm (laughs) older and wiser. Yeah. Right. So, um, our first placement, and and I think this is important. I'll be, I am a big proponent of being completely transparent because I feel like there's a lot of people that want to say things, but they're nervous about saying them, but I will be completely transparent. Um, I said yes, because I was feeling that urge from my, my, my spouse, um, and so this brings us to a good point of you both need to be on the same page at the same time, because mm-hmm. if you're not, it can definitely cause issues down the road. So I said yes to a placement and the placement was a four year old boy and a one year old little girl. <laughs> and again, reiterating the ages of my. So I had so two four year olds, two, uh-huh. two fours and a six and seven year old. Mm-hmm. And I was completely overwhelmed which began to kind of manifest into frustration and then anger. And it, and then I started taking that out on, on our two foster children, which was so unhealthy because they had come from such an unhealthy place anyway. And then I ended up just saying like, I want to quit. I can't do this. It's too much. Um, when I should have kind of listened to my gut and said, okay, maybe we're not there yet. So, um, I ended up asking our agency to take the kids, which is such a hard thing and didn't even know as a new foster parent, when you ask for, you know, foster children to have to be moved, it is already traumatizing that they were moved into your home. And then it's just even more, it's like a, a a stir up of all the feelings that they just experienced when you have to move them out of your home. So that, I guess that's why I tell this cautionary tale because it's something you should definitely like, not go into lightly. You should definitely put a lot of thought and time and prayer if you're a praying person into it and say like, are we at a place with our family where we're ready? Where our kids ready? Are we ready? Are we together? Are we in sync? Um, just because that's, that was like our story is I wasn't, I was trying to convince myself I was, but I wasn't ready. Um, and so the kids ended up feeling the, the hurt of me not being ready. Oh my gosh. So fast forward, we waited several, several months after that. And that was just difficult. I felt a lot of guilt and a lot of just hurt because I just was so confused. Mm-hmm. And when we started this in 2012, um, I will say that we were one of one other family in our community. I mean, and when I say community, I mean our neighborhood, our church, friend circle, everything. We were the only parents fostering at the time, we had only known one other couple that had adopted all four children out of foster care. And so they were kind of like our go-to on asking. But really you had no community. No, we had never reflect back to you or go, Hey, what about this? Have you ever experienced this? Or is this normal? Yeah, I had none of that. It is so valuable to have community. Absolutely. And to be able to ask questions. Gets where you're going through. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing like that people don't get. It's not that you need people to tell you what to do or that it's just sitting across the table knowing someone gets exactly where you are. Because whether it's foster care or going through a tough time in your marriage or whatever it is, sitting across the table from someone who gets exactly where you are, I don't know about you, but it makes me feel like I can keep going. 
Absolutely. Like I can keep going because I'm not alone. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's I, And that's with anything, just knowing, like mm-hmm. having that encouragement going, your feelings are completely valid. Like yeah. I felt frustration and anger at one point too, but there's something beautiful on the other side of that. Like, let me help you get through this moment. So yeah, that was a big part of what I realized, like, and even told my husband, I am a big community person. I feel encouraged with community and all things. And so when I didn't feel that with foster care, it was extremely difficult. So fast forward, um, we got our second placement and I just like fell in love with this little boy that came into our home. He was just amazing. Um, he had bright red hair, freckles, blue eyes, and he was actually, he had uh, spina bifida. So he was paralyzed from the waist down and he came in with this teeny tiny little wheelchair into my home. And, like something happened. (laughs) I can't really describe it, but I just was like, oh my goodness. And again, I'm like a brand new foster parent. And here I have this little boy that's like, basically, you know, he's going to be categorized in a different way because he's medically needy. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what to do or who's going to tell me how to do this and that. And he had all these needs, which ended up not being too, too, you know, big for me. But um, it definitely like upped my level of like knowledge on like the yeah. medical field and just like how vulnerable he was and how much he needed me every single day. Um, and it was just after that, I don't know, something was just it was just like a these kids need us. It was kind of hard to describe. Um it was still challenging at times. It was still stressful at times, but it was wonderful because our kids got really hands-on and were like, we want to help, you know? And I think with being mama, this is just in general, whether you're a foster mom or just, you know, just mom, I think that we forget sometimes that we set the tone in our home and that, um, you know, when I would wake up and I would be frustrated because of all the things I had to do for the day or feel discouraged that my children felt that too. And so they would would act on those feelings and they would complain and they would kind of whine and they would, and I noticed, I'm like, I'm really setting the tone for this in our home. So I was like, I've got, before I can ask these kids to have good attitudes, I've got to have a good attitude. I've got to be a go-getter. I've got to be, you know, encouraged and, and excited about my day before I ask them to do it, you know, so just leading by example. So that transferred over to foster care really well because, um, when I, we would get excited about a placement and be like, okay, guys, you know, we have, we have a new guy coming today and, and we don't know a lot about him, but we want to make him feel welcome and we want to love on him. And, um, I remember my little boy was at the time, he's 18 now and has a job. <laughs> no. And, um, yeah. And so at the time he was like, do you think he likes Legos mom? And, you know, like, I want to share my Legos with him. And it was like letting them have part of that ownership of, um, being a part, how can I share my life with you and you? And of course, you know, there's rifts and fights later over, you know, right. Cause kids, but I mean, and I think that's the thing too, is sometimes we get like, um, we categorize things in our minds and we think, oh no, our foster child is fighting with our biological child something is off and wrong. But if you were to take those labels off and those were just your children, 
you would be completely okay with it. <laughs> Let's yep. be honest. You would probably even maybe like, just like calm down in there, you know, know right. <laughs> you wouldn't be like, oh, I need to write this down in my parent notes, you know, <laughs> or whatever um, documentation that you're being asked to do. All the documentation. Gosh. Oh yes. If we could just take that out, <laughs> I know, right? life would be so much easier. I know it. But yeah, we, I think that's was something that I like kind of got so caught up in. It was like, Oh no, my, my, bio children and these children, instead of just seeing them all as my kids, I would separate them and I would think like, oh no, they are fighting. This must not be working. And I would immediately look, look for an out, you know? And so I had to kind of get past that. And my husband was so great at like saying, this is okay. This is completely normal. Mm-hmm. We're going to work through this. He's definitely like the calm, mm-hmm. steadfast, and I'm the spaz. <laughs> Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's all right. Everybody has one. You're looking yes. at the one in my family. <laughs> um, yes. You know, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being so vulnerable and honest. These are these are things that so many families involved in foster care go through. These yeah. are things that everybody goes through and even if it's just for a day. Yeah. Going, oh, I need to adjust my attitude. Um, it's so appropriate to talk about, and I love that you brought it up. One of the things that that you touched on, too, is your kids getting involved and wanting to help. And I don't know about you, but especially whenever we were discussing with our community that we were going to be a foster family, we got a lot of pushback. There was a lot of pushback, um, and I think a lot of it was well-intentioned because people just people that love you want to protect you. Oh, yeah, And Definitely. anything that is unknown mm-hmm. a lot of times feels like danger. Yes. So I remember there were people in our community going, but what about your kids? Mm-hmm. Oh, but what about? How is this going to affect them? And my knee-jerk was going to be like, it's going to be hard sometimes, yeah. but – that's appropriate yeah. because life is hard sometimes. Yes. And I always feel, and I maybe I've said this before on this podcast, but y'all get, get ready to hear this a ton. I really believe that compassion is like a muscle. Yes. And you've got to work it out mm. in order for it to grow. Preach. And that's yes. one of the ways that we decided we were going to make sure that our kids were working their compassion muscle. Yes, that's so good. That's such a great illustration. Um, funny that you say that because my mom was actually like a huge proponent. Like she was just like, I am so worried about the kids. And I was just thinking like, mom, you were a foster kid. 
like, how are you saying this right now? <laughs> but she was so, so protective and just like, are you sure? And she was like worried about ages and things. And that was one thing too, that we decided birth order was really important to us. And so um, I decided that we would never exceed our oldest child and we would try to never go under our youngest. We, we definitely bent that a little on the youngest because we did have babies, but um, I have three girls that were super nurturing and super hands-on with all the babies. So it was always okay, but we did try once to go older than my oldest and everything kind of got out of whack. And so we knew we needed to stay in those parameters. And that's a personal decision for Absolutely. each family. Absolutely. We'll you have to do it works. assess and um, kind of feel out what's going to work for them. Yes. And for some people, having an older kiddo would work perfectly. Absolutely. But for some, it just doesn't. So one of the things that I want to know about is how has foster care, being involved in foster care, affected your kids? Yeah. So um, I was really worried at first. This is the little surprise I told you you're going to get. Um, so we have been fostering since 2012. And I, I, I have lost count, but I know we fostered over 25 children and we've adopted one. And so um, a lot of kids have come through our home in those years. And I initially I was really, really worried like about the most vain, awful things. It's even like hard for me to admit, but I was concerned with like things like, well, what's our family photo going to look like? Do we invite them into the photo? Do we like take separate pictures? Just silly things like that. Um, which I wish you could see the pictures at my house. There's, they're so colorful and big and beautiful (laughs) and I love them so much. Um, and if any, if a stranger was to walk in her home, they'll be like, wait, are there children missing? Because your family photo looks different every year. And and I love that now. And, and it sure does. It does sure every does. single yeah. year because they were always a part of our annual like family photo. And I love it. So the, I was just so worried about like, will people ask questions and wh- you know, how are our kids explain this? And I was worried about like the trauma that these kids had been through you know, drug abuse or, or sexual abuse or anything like that, will they bring it with them? Will, will they maybe teach our children things they don't know anything about? Um, and it did happen. It did. They, they would, we had one little girl that explained how to cook meth to my seven-year-old. Um, and it broke my heart. It made me so sad. Of course, my, my daughter didn't even, know what she was listening to. And she was like, mom, what's she talking about? You know, we have to filter through those things and kind of teach them. But um, it was a little difficult at first. Um, but I think if you're a, a hands-on parent and you're you're there to kind of um, back up and, and just like explain like, hey, this is a broken part of her life, but it's still a big part of her life. It's what she knows. And it's what she's known for the past, you know, X amount of years. And so to her, it just seems normal. It doesn't seem like a scary thing or a thing that she shouldn't even be around. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, we look at that. So those were some of my concerns as a foster parent was that, um, our kids would be introduced to real life. <laughs> Our kids would be introduced to other humans that had walked through really difficult things. They were. Um, and that we would have to explain things to them. Um, now, I will say this. Um, no more so than 
say like public school <laughs> because, you know, kids yeah. just like to share things at public school. So um, it was just it was just filtering through things. And that was I mean, out of, you know, 25 plus children, that was one child. You know, and yeah. so it wasn't every single kid that came in our home. It wasn't like a constant beratement of my kids, you know, um, them being little and someone stealing, you know, their childhood. It wasn't that at all. And so I think sometimes people going into foster care think that like this is going to steal their childhood or I'll have to share my love with them. And let me just tell you, at one point we were a group home. And we had nine children living in our home. Four of those were mine and five of my bio, four bios. And then we had five fosters and I had plenty of love to go around for everybody. So yeah, we're an eight kid fam. Yeah, there you I go. Mean, yeah, we're, we're, we're only at five right now. Five um, is big girl. Five is big. I know some people are like, did she really just say five? It's only five. No, I hear you. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and so everybody has their, their normal. Yep. We'll just say that everybody has, everybody their, no- has their normal number. number. That's right. And so, um, I think it was just like learning that, um, this is not going to steal their childhood. This is not going to take anything away. Now I have, let's, you know, fast forward. I have an 18 year old. I have a daughter who's almost 17. I have a 13 year old daughter, an 11 year old daughter. And then we have our newly adopted this year, four year old, and they can't wait to foster again. We're Currently, can I talk about this? Yes, for a second? yeah. I hope you do. I, I wanted like, you to. I, I just didn't want to bring <laughs> it up if you didn't want me to. No, no, it's fine. Uh, currently, I'm a surrogate and I'm nine months pregnant. Y'all, uh, if you could see her, she is so freaking cute. She has got on like this cute <laughs> black jumper and this like burnt yeah. orange tank under it. And this belly is the cutest thing. Oh, it's so big too, though. <laughs> the sleepless nights and the never ending potty breaks. Yeah, so you've got a lot going. We right do. Now. And this is a part of our story as well. Um, yep. It's a life is a life giving, obviously, and yep. the biggest sense um, being able to give another uh, set of parents um, but that's a baby. Why you're- but you're on hold in foster care. Just so you know, I did advocate for foster care before we did through this. We went through <laughs> this. I'm like, hey, you know, there's a lot of kids that need adopting, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yep. that's that was not their route. That was not their choice or their their um their destination. So we we obviously yeah. So I'm due kind of in the next couple of weeks. So we took a break from foster care, but we also wanted to bond with Zuri, our little one. Um, Love and her name. We yeah we her daddy picked it. <laughs> um, we wanted to bond with her. We adopted her in February, and I just wanted to take the year to just bond with her and our family and just kind of seal. But we miss it so much, and I'm eager to jump back in. So. Um, We'll see what happens after I have this baby. <laughs> I love that. But yeah. I love that. And I love that your kids are constantly watching you kind of decide to move into a space that is more uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Well, and literally, in, in, <laughs> literally right now, <laughs> literally. But I think that that is a good point as far as like growing that compassion muscle is a lot of times it is not staying in your safe comfort zone. It is going outside and making intentional choices that make you uncomfortable. And so you talking about the little girl, talking um, to your kiddo about cooking meth. Yeah. That's maybe something he would have never been exposed to. Um, And I know for me, um, we've had very um, deep, difficult um, at times conversations with our kids about 
mental illness and poverty and yeah. prostitution and human trafficking and yes. things like that because of our involvement in foster care and what some of um, th- the children that we've had in our home, some of their parents have gone through. Absolutely. So, but I don't know about you, but for me, it's those conversations and our kids having a, a more whole picture mm-hmm. of a person Yes, um, has meant so much because now they know that bad decisions or hard decisions don't always equal bad person. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, so I've seen my kids kind of get curious instead of um, making quick judgment calls. So yeah. if we see someone that maybe looks homeless on the street, yeah, I've heard my kids wonder out loud instead of like, not say anything or just observe. Yeah. I've seen my kids go, I wonder what their story is. Yeah, that's and good. And that's a different perspective that that I'm so glad that they have now because yes. they know everyone's got a story. Absolutely. Yeah, so, that's something that my my 17, well, she's almost 17. Um, I love uh, this part of her life because we were playing the game Life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know, but they have these little cars yeah. and you can fill them up with people. Well, by the end of the game, she had two minivans full of people. And we asked her, I'm like, my, my son was like, why do you have so many kids in that car? And she's like, well, because we're going to have our own kids. And then we're also going to adopt a bunch of kids out of foster care too. <laughs> and so this was several years ago, but she was like, just, it w- we caught a little glimpse of like what she was wanting as a mama. And it was like what she's open to, you know? And we know that like foster care, the, the goal is not adoption, but just to hear her heart behind, like, I want to, I want to be open to that. And it was really, that. yeah. And I've heard my other daughter say, well, I need to make sure that I marry someone that really wants to do foster care with me. And so hearing them say those things is just like affirmation of like, yes, we did it. Like we, you know, like you said, exercise that compassion muscle. And and that may not come out in the same form with all of my children, but some of them are are like, yes, this is what I want to do. I want to jump in and I want to be helpful, you know? And so it has changed our kids in so many ways. Um, I think at first they're a little hesitant just, just cause there's so much unknown. You are literally inviting another human into your life that you've never met and that you know nothing about. So I think that sometimes it's perfectly normal to feel that bit of like, what, ha- what could happen or, you know, how could this play out or be different? And so I think that's completely normal, but it's so beautiful when they, when they arrive and when the kids get to our house and the kids are like, how can I help? How can yeah. I go into action? What can I get them? Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Um, here's, here's our room, here's our toys. And they immediately just want to start sharing. And it's just like such a cool thing. You know, um, before you go, something that we do, it's Mandy and the F-bomb. Um, one of the things that we do is talk about your F-bomb moment. And that is going to be the moment. Maybe for some people, it's not a moment. For some people, it's a season. But what, what, when did you know that because of foster care, you'd never be the same again? So my story on that is we had two little children in our home. Um, we'll call them J and B. Um And at this point, we were probably only like maybe five or six kids in to our journey. We had only had like five or six children. So we were still super young in foster care. 
Um, and my perspective on bio parents was not good. Um, I was just feeling the brunt of what these kids are feeling. And I was very judgmental and very frustrated with bio parents. I had the attitude of, you don't deserve your kids. You messed up. Like, how could you do this to them? That was my attitude towards bio parents. Well, when we had J and B, um, we had started um, parent visits. I was very uncomfortable with parent visits. Um, if you're a new foster parent, that can be very daunting and very scary. Um, and it was for me. Um, so I went and I met mom. She was very young, very, very young to have the two children that she had. And I had kind of just listened to her story. We had a couple of visits in and I had an opportunity to sit with her while the kids did something. I don't even remember what it was, but I ever had an opportunity to sit with her and talk with her. And um, she shared her story with me. And her story was um, her kids were her kids were pulled from her because of drug abuse. So um, she shared her story with me and she told me that she had been in foster care herself when she was younger. Um, and I had asked her why. And she said, well, because when I was younger, um, my mom was addicted to meth. And by the age of 10, I was being kind of used as a trading prop for drugs for my mom. Um, so this poor girl at the age of 10 was being basically prostituted out so that her mom could take drugs. That was my aha moment. I immediately knew at that moment, I thought I felt so much shame and just, I felt very condemned myself for having judged her mothering abilities because I didn't know anything about her story. So I immediately apologized to her and I told her all the things that I had thought of her and said of her. We both just sat and cried for, for a good 30 to 45 minutes. And I told her that she was doing the best that she could and that I wanted to help her. So um, the next time I saw her, I bought her a Bible and I told her like, hey, um, my life did not always look like it did. And my life used to be really hard and rough. And like, this is where I found peace. And I want to share this with you. So I brought her that. I brought her a card. She was very grateful. But what ended up happening, this was the saddest part for me, was because um, not it wasn't just me that wasn't able to encourage her in the early stages of me being you know, foster parent to her children. But I realized that no one else was encouraging her. I realized that, you know, the extent of CPS in her life was a piece of paper being pushed across the table saying, here's a list of places that will hire you. And that was it. Um, I realized that obviously her mother, who was no longer in her life, was probably not encouraging her. And then here you have me, the one lady that is basically has a lot of control over her life and her children. And here I am just sitting across the table judging her and not listening to her story. So um, that was the aha moment for me as far as like just realizing I, I'll never be the same. I will never look at um, bio parents the same. I will definitely never judge them because I don't know what they have walked through. Um, and that story didn't end great. I really thought I could encourage her to the point where she would be, you know, just where she needed to be and her kids would get to go home. But 
she got to the point where she was having visits with him over the weekend and then she purposely sabotaged the whole thing and the kids ended up being adopted by an aunt. But it just made me so sad because she told me face to face, she just said, I was just so scared that if they did come home, that I would, I would do the same things my mom did. I would get to a desperate place, which I thought, I thought it was so, um, hard for her and so brave all at the same time to be in her own way, like so loving. Yeah. To say, Hey, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to repeat history because, you know, I was a foster child. Now my children are in foster care. And what if I do this to them? And so I think it's so important going into foster care to realize that this is so much of what we're seeing is a cycle is a broken cycle. And for me, my mantra is like, Hey, We may not be able to actually physically change the trajectory of these kids' lives, but we can show them life can look different. It does not have to be this vicious cycle. It does, and even for bio parents, like it does, you don't have to keep running back to these same things that are getting your children removed. You can be different. You can change, and we want to help you. How can we help you? That's right. And here's the thing: I feel like. It's warranted to say that we as families, as foster families, we don't have to be enough. Yeah. And I think that's something that kind of maybe families put on themselves, that it's our responsibility to change these kids' lives. Or it's our responsibility to, like you said, change the trajectory or our responsibility. But here's the thing. Our responsibility is only the things that are really our responsibility. And that is doing the right thing. It's whatever your right thing is, it's taking another step towards your right thing. And sometimes that is babysitting kids for foster families. Yeah. And sometimes that is donating to nonprofits. And sometimes that is, you know, being a volunteer or a CASA advocate or a foster family. Yeah. There are so many ways um, to move towards your right thing. And for foster families specifically, I would say that our responsibility is to do our right thing. And that is to love these kids as best we can for as long as we have them Mm -hmm. and do our best to honor um, and respect where they're from and where they're going. Absolutely. Um, I think that it's always such an honor to um, be trusted with children having a hard time. Yeah. And um, especially whenever you get to connect to bio parents to hold their stories yeah, as well. And, you know, what I found is nine times out of ten, you have the bio parents are so incredibly grateful. They really are. They're not mad at you or frustrated with you. You have, you know, one or two here and there that just feel anxiety or worry about you having their kiddos. But I, I would say being a foster parent, you have the ability to break that barrier down. That's and right. And say, hey. I'm not here to replace you. I'm here to stand in the gap for you. That's right. Like, that's what I'm here for. That's right. I love that. Kirby, you've been so vulnerable and honest and said such hard things, and I cannot tell you how grateful I am that you agreed to come on. Thank you so much. Oh, I loved it. It was awesome. We just talked. Now you know my story. I love it. I love it. And now we need to hang out for real. Let's go get coffee. Let's do it. (laughs) Thanks again for being on. Thank you. Mandy and the F-Bomb is produced by Rogue Media. Make sure to like and follow us on social media 
And you can find our show anywhere you get podcasts or at roguemedianetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. Podcast.